gospel lesson and sermon text today is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 4, verses 1 through 11. Let me just remind you, this is God's word to us, and it's given to us because he loves us. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you and... On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, again, it is written, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Jesus said to him, be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and were ministering to him. This is the gospel of our Lord. Before we jump into Matthew 4, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I ask that you would bless Uh, the reading and now the preaching of your word, that you would speak to us what you would have to say to us today, because yours is the voice that we need to hear above all others, the voice of love, and so we pray now that you would allow us to hear from you, and we ask this in Jesus' name, amen. So part of the traditional relationship of the season of Lent to the life of Jesus, which is The point of the church calendar is just another way to guide and orient our lives to the life of Jesus. So the relationship of Lent to the life of Jesus, part of that comes from our passage today. Jesus' 40 days of being tempted and fasting in the wilderness equals the 40 days of the season of Lent. That's where we come up with that number. And I want us to think about uh, that this time that is, you know, Lent is a time of penitence. It is a time of self-reflection, and I want us to think about uh, that time of self-reflection and penance, uh, not just like, I don't know, the spiritual discipline, the sort of, you know, uh, it's like New Year's resolutions came, came around in January, and we did that for a while, and then, you know, we've probably all abandoned them, and now Lent comes around to, like, kick us in the rear end yet again. I want us to not think about it like that, like a swift kick in the pants, but more as a time of preparation, that Lent is a time of preparation for the celebration of Easter. And so we're going to look, uh, we're going to use these Lenten lectionary passages to see Jesus and his journey to the cross and then to the empty tomb as preparation for the Easter feast. Like any good party, there needs to come preparation leading up to and headed into that party. And so... We begin these 40 days of Lent with Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. And the first thing Jesus experiences after the official launch of his public ministry is 40 days of being tempted by Satan 
in the wilderness. Man, what a bummer. Like, things just got off to such a great start, and then immediately, boom, here's Jesus off in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. So, let's begin our Lenten preparation by looking at the reality of temptation. So that's where I want us to begin, to look at the reality of temptation. And we want to establish right away that Jesus' temptation, his temptations, we should say, was real temptation, all right? It's the same temptation that you and I experience. It's a temptation of ours to read about Jesus's, uh, read uh, this passage and imagine that Jesus faced uh, his struggles like a superhero, uh, that it wasn't really a struggle for him. You know, there Jesus is, sort of standing tall, cape billowing in the wind, and he just puts down the mighty supervillain Satan with just a flick of the finger, right? Light work, no big deal, wasn't hard for him at all, whereas our temptation the struggle is real, but not for Jesus. And that is not how we are to read this passage. We can't let the brevity of this account trick us into thinking that Jesus' temptation, 40 days in the wilderness, was no big deal for him. But let's be honest. It was 40 days, 40, 4 zero. 40 days, it was Satan himself. He was all alone with no one there. The disciples aren't with him. He is all alone in the wilderness. It was a big deal, okay? It was very real temptation. And we can recall what the book of Hebrews tells us in chapters two and four, how Jesus is our great high priest, tempted in every way that we are. Jesus' temptations are like our temptations. And he suffered in his temptations the same as we suffer. They hurt. It was not light work. It was painful for him. If we look in the beginning or in front of our bulletins, Jameson included this quote by Pope Francis. And let me just read a piece of it to you. He says, let us not forget that real poverty hurts No self-denial is real without this dimension of penance. I distrust a charity that costs nothing and does not hurt. Jesus' suffering of these temptations, this self-denial that he goes through in this wilderness of 40 days, hurt. I mean, it says that after Satan is defeated, angels have to come and minister to Jesus. I mean, it's like Jesus is a heavy weight boxer who has just gone all 12 rounds of the fight and now needs someone to minister to him because he has paid the price for it. He has paid the price for it with his whole self, body, mind, soul, and spirit. And this is our reality. This is the reality of temptation. We are going to have temptation. We're going to face temptation every single day. And we certainly pray for protection from temptation and against the way that leads us into temptation, but we certainly will face it. But the good news is, is so has our Savior Jesus. He has faced temptation the same as we have and in ways that we never can and never will. But if this is the reality of our temptation, what is the nature of temptation? 
What is the nature of our temptation? Well, I would say at the fundamental level, temptation is simply believing that what God has said is not true. That the nature of our temptation is simply believing that what God has said to us, what he has promised to us, is not true. Why do I say that? Well, think about Eve in the garden, the original parents, and the original relationship with God. What was the nature of her temptation? Did God really say that? Is that really what he said? And so we have the same thing happening here with Jesus in the wilderness. I mean, what did Jesus just hear his heavenly father say right before this passage? Right? When we have the inauguration of Jesus' ministry, he goes to John the Baptist to be baptized. And while he's being baptized, what does he hear? The voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And then he's led by God's spirit to be alone in the wilderness. Now, what kinds of things start to go through your head when you're alone? Much less than the wilderness. And minutes turn into hours that turn into days that turn into weeks. And on top of it all, you're hangry, right? You haven't had anything to eat. That's exactly where Satan tries to exploit He's basically going to Jesus in these temptations and saying, did God really say that you're the beloved? Just like Eve. Did he really say that? Is that what he said? Are you sure you can depend on that? Are you sure that he's pleased with you? Because look at you. If you were really the beloved, why would he leave you out here in the wilderness? If he was really pleased with you, wouldn't he give you something to eat? Doesn't he care about you? If you are really his son, why are you stuck out here? You should be ruling this land, not suffering in it. All that to say, you cannot trust God's word. You cannot trust his promises to be true. God is, in fact, holding out on you. Is that really what he said? I'm not so sure. Instead, you have to reach out and take it for yourself. It's within your grasp. Just take it. Turn these stones into bread. Feed yourself. Don't be hungry. Take control of this situation and bend it and shape it to your will. Show everyone that you have the power. Just take of its fruit and eat. This is the nature of temptation. We do not trust God's promises to be true. We do not trust his voice saying to us that we are beloved sons and daughters of God in whom he is well pleased and therefore we don't have to fear. We don't have to be afraid that we're going to be taken care of. That God is going to give us what we need. We can trust that we don't have to reach out and grasp hold of the situation because we know that we are loved. So this is the reality of our temptation, and this is the nature of our temptation, but it still begs the question, why? Why do we have to be tempted? 
Why do we have to deal with temptation? Why can we not enter a relationship with God and just skip temptation the rest of our life and never have to deal with it ever again? So what is the reason for our temptation? Well, I want to read for you how Luke concludes his account of Jesus' time of 40 days in the wilderness. He says this in chapter 4, verse 14. It says, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country. So after these 40 days of temptation, it says Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit. Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness, but he leaves the wilderness in the power of the Spirit. Because it is through his suffering in the wilderness when he is stripped down to his core where he has nothing to rely on other than to trust in who God says God is and who he is as God's son that Jesus is made ready for what is to come. It is through this trial, it is through these temptations that Jesus is made ready for what is to come. And what is to come? More hard stuff. It's not over. I mean, right after this, Jesus goes to his own hometown and they try to throw him off a cliff. It is through these trials of temptations that Jesus is made ready to suffer through these things. So yes, we may very well be in a desert wilderness. That's okay. Because it is often in these desert wildernesses that God shows up and does his best work in your life. It is in that desert wilderness of temptation that God refines our hearts. This is the reason for temptation. To refine our hearts of all these emotional programs for happiness that we convince ourselves, I have to have this if I am going to be Okay, and the tricky part is a lot of those things that we drive ourselves crazy grasping for and reaching for and trying to grab hold of are usually not bad things in and of themselves. Sure, we have our vices that tempt us, things that everybody agrees is not good for you. The really hard part is all those things that are good things. But in our temptation is to allow them to wind up us serving them rather than they serve us. And I'll give you an example, a story, so to speak. I brought a prop today because I was jealous when, when Jameson used a prop in his sermon. Now, he came with a recording of, you know, like four-year-old Adeline singing a sweet, precious, somewhat dark, apocalyptic song about Jesus. But... Um, I brought you a coffee mug, and I don't know if you can see who's on it. My children gave me this. This is the actor Brian Cranston as his character Walter White in the show Breaking Bad. Yes, I watched Breaking Bad with my children. I know, hashtag worst pastor ever. We like this show, and they got this mug for me for Christmas, Walter White. And, uh, and I was actually watching. We were watching Breaking Bad this week, um, Evan and I. And, uh, and I was thinking about uh, this sermon, I was, and, uh, and I, was, I was watching Breaking Bad, and I was thinking how, oh, you know what, Walter White, he, his story is a classic example of this, of wanting a good thing, of wanting something good, experiencing a powerlessness to have it or to secure it, 
But rather than to accept and surrender to what is good in his life, he chooses instead to succumb to temptation to grasp for what he desires. And what does Walter White want? He just wants his family to be okay. He wants to know and be sure that his family will be taken care of when he dies from cancer. Uh, listen, don't come at me about spoiler alerts, right? All right, you, can, you will read that in the synopsis if you go after I preach the sermon and say, oh, I want to check out Breaking Bad. It's going to say it right there. High school chemistry teacher, cancer diagnosis, starts cooking crystal meth, all right? There's the show. That's not a spoiler, all right? And plus, the show's old. We're past the statute of limitations on that now, okay? I promise you, I hate being spoiled. I'm not going to spoil anything. But that, that's it. That's what Walter wants. He gets cancer. He's a high school teacher. He's poorly paid. Amen, high school teachers and other teachers out here, right? You don't get paid enough for, for that job by far. He just wants his family to be financially secure when he's gone. What's wrong with that? Nothing. Nothing is wrong with that. Safety and security. That's the first temptation. Safety and security. It is a basic human instinct, and it is not wrong. It's not wrong to want to be safe and secure. But make no mistake, Satan is going to try to hit you in that place. That's what he does to Jesus. You're hungry. It's okay to want to be fed and full. There's nothing wrong with that. So just take these stones and make them into bread and eat and satisfy your hungry, your hunger. Secure your own safety and security. The problem is, no matter the cost, that's the temptation. To make sure that we're safe and secure, no matter what it costs us to get there. Hence, Walter White starts cooking crystal meth. All right? Not the correct application to that basic instinct. But if you know his story, and you know the same thing is true for us as well, that that may be where it starts, at the fundamental level of just wanting to make sure that I'm safe and I'm secure and those I love is safe and secure, that's maybe where it starts, and that's where Satan starts with Jesus, but that's not where it stops. And if you know Walter White's story, you know that it's not that simple for him either. His temptation is more than just safety and security, it's all also about affection and esteem. Do I have affection and esteem? And Walter White, man, he suffers from a heavy dose of wounded pride. That his brilliance was not recognized and re rewarded like he thought it should be. And Walter White is a brilliant dude. I mean, crazy, wicked smart, as they would say, you know, up in Massachusetts, right? And again, there's nothing wrong with our need for affection and esteem. These are healthy desires of our experience as human beings, and we suffer when we don't have affection and esteem. But our need for them gets so easily twisted and bent, doesn't it? And so Satan tempts Jesus in the same way. You should be on the pinnacle. And that's where he takes him, up at the very tippy top, right? You should be up here at the pinnacle of humanity and let everyone see you and serve to you and rush to your aid because you're the best, you're brilliant. 
It is this temptation to grasp for affection and, and esteem where if you know the story of Walter White, this is really where his life starts to unravel and go amiss. Because then Walter reaches for the third temptation, to grasp for power and control. Again, nothing inherently wrong with wanting to have power and control, to have agency and influence in our lives. But oh, how quickly the temptation to grasp, to reach out and take power and control for ourselves turns to violence. And so it is with Walter White. And in a poignant scene where Walter's wife, Skylar, expresses concern to him that he is in danger and their family is in danger, Walter, in his angry pride, looks her in the eye and he says, I am the one who knocks, meaning I'm the threat. I'm the danger. I'm the one that people should be afraid of if they get in my way and try to prevent me from getting what I want in life. And if you watch that scene, you can really just read between the lines that what Walter is saying is, I am God. I am God. No one tells me what to do. I am in control of this situation. I have the power. And so Satan tempts Jesus with the same thing. Power and control. Give in to the shortcut. Worship me and I will make sure that every single person in this world bows down before you. Out of fear, not out of love, but they will bow before you. You are God. Skip the suffering. Skip all this stuff out here in the wilderness. Take what is rightfully yours now. I share this to say, friends, I hope you realize that the reason for our temptation, we certainly pray against it. Jesus taught us to pray against it. But the reason that we will face temptation is to refine our hearts to hunger for the real thing, to hunger for the bread that satisfies. The reason for our temptation is to refine our hearts to let go of having to, to just stop grasping for all these things that in reality are beyond our control. We're never going to have them like we want. And all this grasping so often just turns eventually to violence. I'm saying you go out and physically hurt people, but in all sorts of other ways, we commit violence against ourselves and each other, constantly thinking, I got to have this right now. And the truth is, we don't. And as the transfiguration showed us in a sermon last week, the voice of the Father saying from above, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased, that voice of love, that declaration, again, this is going back to the nature of temptation, right? It's just to not believe that what God is saying is true because that voice of love and that declaration is ultimately what is our safety and security. That voice of love is what our Affection and esteem is based on that voice of love is our power and control because it says that we are beloved sons and daughters of God and whom he is well pleased to. And if we have that, then that is enough. And that is how we resist the temptation to reach out and grasp for all these other things. You have to understand, though. That Jesus shows us the way to receiving these good things through our temptations, is through descent. 
It is not through ascent. The way of Satan is the way of ascent. Here, I'll put you at the top. Let's just shoot straight to the top. Jesus says, no, the way to this kind of safety and security and this affection and esteem, this power and control, the way to trusting and knowing that you are loved and you're going to be okay, it's going to come by going down, not up. It's going to come through our, or the way through our temptations is the way of the cross. And that's the journey that we are on these 40 days of Lent, to learn how to win by losing. Willing to lose all the way down, all the way to the bottom in order to ascend to resurrection life. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen.